episode 152 above ground podcast island of misfits with dr a the misfit therapist disclaimer the host of this podcast timothy patrick and will foley are by no means medical professionals however having lived experience with mental illness themselves they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis by sharing their stories they hope to create connection by creating connection they hope to help you find your purpose And through purpose, we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast. Coming at you live with real conversations about mental health from the perspective, it's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now your hosts, TPP and Will Foley. What is up, everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast. Because you can't serve below. What is up, TPP? We are here this evening on Zoom for another interview, and I'm going to let you take it from here, brother. I'm pretty psyched about tonight's guest. We are joined by psychotherapist Dr. A., and she is also a podcaster that um, she has her own podcast. I believe it is out every other Wednesday. So you can catch that. We're really grateful that you're here. So thank you for joining us. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. I mean, I was just telling Will, anything that will push mental health forward, anything that will bring awareness to mental illness, I'm down. Because we're still not talking about it in the right way. We are in a cookie cutter way, in a very nice way, in a... Tiffany's box has a bow kind of way, but the stuff <laughs> that you guys do and the stuff that I do, it's raw, it's real. And I think that's what people need to hear. And to also know that therapists can look like me, like we're not all, and I say this with respect, that when people think therapists, they still think the white guy on the couch, like I'm far from a white guy, you know, so I'm, <laughs> I'm Cuban, I'm too much, my hair is big and it's red and yeah, so I'm here to represent that side of mental health, mental illness, and mental well-being. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Excellent. Thanks. So cool. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you're pretty fly for a white guy, if that's the case. Right? Damn. What a compliment. Yeah. I like it. I, gotta, I wanted to start with maybe what is one of the biggest challenges you see with people accessing therapy or, or one of the biggest challenges while they're in therapy? Biggest challenging to accessing services is straight up money and benefits. People don't know. And I'm going to talk from probably a domestic, right? A national standpoint, psychiatry, behavioral health, mental health, the only specialty that you can actually access without having a referral right? If you had any other problem, kidney problem, you'd have to get a referral from your primary care physician to see like a nephrologist, right? Or some kind of specialist. But with us, people don't know enough about their mental health rights. So first of all, it's just accessing, calling up, who do I call? The other thing is straight up money, right? Depending on insurance, we all get paid a different amount based on health plan, based on insurance. And I hate to say this, I think I may have mentioned it to to Tim, but some people will have you call in and they will not answer the phone for a reason. And they'll say, hey, you've reached Dr. A. Sorry, I couldn't reach you. Please leave your name, who your insurance is, 
and we'll give you a call back. And why do they do that? Because they're going to see how much that insurance reimburses and whether or not they want to take you. And I'm not shitting on my peers. We don't all do that. I don't do that. I need to be able to sleep at night. I have what's called a very healthy case mix, which means that I take Medicaid, right? And then I end, which pays nothing. And then I take the higher payers and those in between and having that case mix that allows me to sleep at night. Now there are some therapists that are straight up only cash pay. I don't do insurance. Those are the people that usually have some kind of like specialized niche and that's all they do. And that's what people are seeking. So they're the 200 plus dollars an hour, or if you need family therapy or couples therapy, at least in the state of California, where I'm from, that's not covered. So that you pay out of pocket, which is crazy, right? Because here you are trying to save your marriage, trying to save your family. What's covered is conjoint therapy. And how's that different? In conjoint therapy, we bring in a second party, but they're not the primary patient. The primary patient's a primary patient. We just bring in. So let's say, you know, Will and I are married. I'm the primary patient. I, you know, the therapist brings in Will as a conjoint person because he's part of what's affecting me. But the unit of treatment is not necessarily the two of us. It's how Tim affects me. So, I mean, it's a loaded question because there's so much, but that is in a nutshell what some of the issues are with regard to access, not knowing who to call, not knowing what your rights are, and then type of insurance, reimbursement rate for insurance. And then if you can't find anyone because no one wants to take your cheap ass insurance, then we get into this cash pay conversation. Who the hell has $100 a week or every two weeks? And that's on the cheap end, right? Right. To be able to afford therapy. And then as far as when they do come in, what do people struggle with? It's readiness. They're not ready to be in front of me. Someone told them, you know what I think? You should go to therapy. And so that's why they're there. But they're not there on their own free will. They're not there. They're there because my wife said, if I don't go to therapy, we're going to get a divorce. That's an, that's interesting. I, that was actually one of my questions was, I, w- I was just going to say like the, the, like the top two things that, you know, are most common that you see in your practice. And, and uh, that is one that I makes complete sense, but I wasn't really expecting. So yeah, that's uh that's very interesting. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Crazy. What do you think that, do you, or do you see people that may not be ready? Do they stick with it and then kind of um, catch on at some point? Or how does that usually pan out? I want you to want to be here. And if you want to be here, even at 50%, I'll take it. Because I also feel, look, I don't want to work harder than my client. I even teach my practicum students because I host students that are the future therapists of this world. And I always tell them, do not work harder than your client. Do not chase the client. If the client no shows on you and doesn't call back, then we're done. But when we have a window of opportunity, and I know that there's a piece of you that wants to be present in that treatment room, then I'm going to take that opportunity. I'm going to crawl through that hole, through that window, through whatever you're giving me to see how it is that I can be helpful to you. But not everybody's willing to do that. Some people will say, well, you're not really talking. I've given you homework. You're not really sharing. I'm just probably not the fit for you. 
and then they'll discharge the client, the patient, and that will be that. But at least on my watch, I'd like to believe that if you even give me a little bit of an in, I'm going to go for it. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Um, but I guess, you know, without being in that person's shoes, it's, I do, I could understand that it would be frustrating and difficult on your end to try and work with somebody like that. But, um, but I also asked too, have you been to therapy before? And if they have, what turns you off? What was not a fit? And a lot of, you know, I, I tell people ahead of time, right when I discuss limits to confidentiality and all the legal things that we would have to report if they come out in therapy, I always say to them, this is my approach. If anything that I say is not a fit for you, I'm going to check in with you at the end of session and see if you want to come back. I never assume that a client or a patient wants to come back. That's so arrogant. I want to make sure that I'm a fit for you. And I'm not the therapist who's going to say to you, how does that make you feel? And it sounds like, and it appears like you're going through this. Well, no fucking shit. I remember once I had a therapist super young and they said to me, it seems like you're sad. I'm like, it fucking seems like I'm sad. That's what you were able to read. It seems like I'm sad. So look, there's a reason why we use that kind of language, but through age, through experience, through bonding with your client, you learn to be more real and more raw and on a different level and in a different space. Agree. I, I think it, you said something like first thing in the beginning about, um, I can't remember how you said it, but Will, Will had just mentioned something recently about we need to start asking better questions. And I think that kind of falls into that category. It's like, absolutely. You know, it's, it's not about just like, you know, presenting it in a Tiffany box. It's, right. it's kind of like opening it up and saying like, look, this is, this is mental health. Like this is what we need to talk about. And this is, and I get it. If it's your first time, first therapy session ever, you know, we'll, we'll go in the water, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a foot at a time, but yeah, sure. Like, these are things that need to come out. But you know, what's funny within the first five minutes, at least for me, I know whether or not someone's going to stick with me. It's almost immediate. Because it's about making someone feel comfortable, making someone feel heard, respected, understood. I ask those questions at the end of every initial assessment. Do you feel heard? Do you respect? Do you feel respected? And do you feel understood? And if any of those things are a no, we can't hang, right? You're going to have to go somewhere else where you have, where you're going to get those needs met. Because if you didn't get that for me, that's not okay. The worst thing in the world. Imagine you guys like getting in a damn car. You're like, fuck, I have to go see my therapist. Right. We don't, <laughs> <laughs> we don't, like, right. We don't want to do that. No. And I, I, I said this recently on a podcast that we did that you have to, if you're going to therapy, you better be doing the work because it's sloppy, it's nasty and it's dirty and it's, but it takes work because you have to do it. That's the only thing you're going to get out of it. I, I wanted to ask you, what is what is one of the coolest things that you've learned about yourself through all the years of providing therapy? Have I'm sure that there's probably a lot of things, but I, like. That I'm very comfortable being uncomfortable. I've learned to sit in my shit and like the smell of it. <laughs> right you guys knew what you were getting into when you oh yeah absolutely and this is great no this is and, a perfect fit and that's what i try to teach my clients 
if you can sit in your shit and accept it, there's nothing more powerful than that. You will not be moved the way that you were before by people, by institutions, any entity or thing that could take advantage of you. Because now you know that by sitting in your shit and becoming comfortable with it, you've built these coping mechanism muscles that you would not have built otherwise. And that is what I've learned, how incredibly comfortable I am in discomfort. Were you always that way? Or do you think with, with the work that you do, you've gained a little bit more muscle in that aspect? I've definitely gained more muscle through training, through experience, through age, through falling apart, through marriage not working out, through having a kid that's neurodivergent. There's so many things that have brought me here and I'm so thankful. But to say that I didn't have a little bit of that misfit in me, <laughs> hence my <laughs> podcast, right? Yeah. Since I was young. Yeah, no, I've always had a little bit of that in me. Of just being okay with being, you know, the odd duck or being a little bit different. I don't look different in appearance, right? I look very normal. But the minute that I open my mouth, they're like, what the hell? I did not expect that to come out. <laughs> <of> me, <right? laughs> so, you know, I was the kid in class that would raise her hand and I would ask why. And they would say, Be because you have to. Okay, I respect that, but why? And then when I got older, I would still ask why. And then I would just help them. And I would say, and this is not being arrogant, but even when I got older in my career and I was in the corporate world, I would just ask them, are you asking me to do this because it's political? Like, is it a political move? Just tell me that it is and I'll do it. I just want to know the why below the why. That's all. That's funny. I, you or, know, or did it really I, have a purpose? You know, I understand that because as I'm, as I'm, you know, more and more as I'm, as I'm like, you know, up to my neck with this mental health stuff and, and learning and just throwing, throwing this stuff out there and talking with different people. I, I feel like that, it, that whole thing is, is a big variable in, in all of it, really. I think everybody should be asking why, why about everything and why the hell not? Why as a psychologist or whatever, did you diagnose me with PTSD versus depression? Why are you prescribing this medication versus another? How is it more appropriate? We need to start asking more questions in mental health. And we're just not, we see the white coat, we all do it. And we're like, okay, I trust you. Cause there's a white, why, why ask the question? I think one thing that we have always said, I, I, even from day one, is that you got to be your own advocate on this stuff. You know, it's like you said, we go we get into these rooms and, you know, we see the professional or whatever. And, you know, we get a little starstruck, you know, and, and we don't know what to say or how to say it, maybe. And and we kind of let things go. Um, but, yeah, being your own advocate, I, I I personally used to write stuff down. Like I would, I would have a notebook and like, cause if I didn't see my therapist every, you know, it would, maybe it was every two weeks or whatever stuff would come up. Right. So I would write it down that way when we, you know, got together in a session, I would have stuff that I wanted to talk about. And I love that because that's homework that I give, especially if it's more than a two week interval, that's a long time. So I say to my clients, cause you know, everyone has a smartphone, go in your note section and write down every single night. What was impactful? What made you go, huh? What made you say to yourself, Ugh, I feel a certain kind of way about something. 
because those are things that are really going to help us get to the bottom of whatever that is. Those are nuggets of information that only you have. Like, I can't make that shit up. So by you keeping track of it, it's incredibly helpful. Absolutely. I mean, it's like you call it like little nuggets of information. It's to me, it's, it's the dots that we can, we get them up there and then we can start connecting all the dots, see where they lead, you know, and then you go, you see where it leads and you find that root of whether it's self-love deficit or some kind of trauma, whatever it is, you know, the guaranteed, they all come back to that one spot. And that's the place where you start. Sometimes it leads to nowhere. And then we have to, figure out if it's maybe that we were not paying attention to the right things that we write down the right or wrong things, or if it led to kind of nowhere, then that was the lesson. All of the behaviors that you have been engaging in have led you here and you're empty. What are we going to do with that? <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> yeah. How do you start to fill? So there's a, there's a good question. How do you start to fill that back in and fill that back up? I think we have to take a look at why you decided to take the road that you took. The ideology or the beginning of all of that. Was it learned behavior? Did you take that road because your dad took that road? Did you take that road because your dad told you to take that road? Whose life are you living? I ask people that all the time. Are you living your life? Are you living how you want to live? Are the things that you're doing, are they supporting how you want to live and who you want to be. And if the answer is no, then we need to abandon that road and we're going elsewhere. But I'm glad that we got there because I needed you to see that dead end. That fucking bridge led to nowhere. Burn it down. Don't burn bridges. Shut up. Burn it down. Because we're not going to keep taking a bridge that leads to nowhere. That's crazy. That's insanity. But in a way, it kind of did lead somewhere, right? Because it kind of led you to knowing that it, it led to nowhere and that sure. maybe you were on the ro- wrong bridge for That's sure. That's a valid point. But now that we've used it and it's of no use to us. Burning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree sure. with that a hundred, hundred percent. Because and you know why we're also afraid that you may go back that way. And if awesome. we burn it and if we say, no, 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 I don't care if you take the wrong road somewhere else either. I just don't want you to keep on repeating the same repeating. shit over and over again. Yep. So I would yeah, rather ba- you be wrong in a different way. Baby steps forward for sure. Right. Right. I love how, still. I love the questions that you ask, um, you know, your, your, your clients. And it seems to me that it's, which we, again, we talk about quite often is, is you focus more on like the individual than saying like, oh, well, this person has this or this person has that like diagnosis or, or symptoms, you know, you're focusing more on the individual, which I, I personally kudos to you, because I think that is, is part of um, the problem, you know, in the system, or whatever I mean, you want to call I it. Jokingly say this. And again, some people will take what I say out of context, but I'm on a podcast and we're having fun, but we're also keeping it real. For those that I've built a really good relationship with and good rapport with, I say to them, like, we already know why you're fucked up, right? We, we have the diagnosis. What are we going to do with that? And you are more than your diagnosis. So, of course, I'm treating you and looking at you holistically. You are not just a part of what happened to you, right? And you are not to blame for the shit that happened to you when you did not know better. But now that you do know better, uh-uh, we're going to do something. We're going to create some kind of change, some kind of healing. 
I'm not going to let you just sit there. Wow. What is one question we can ask ourselves then when we need to start cracking that shell open? When you're going to ask, when you're going to sit down with me, like what would be the first question I should be asking myself? It's the simplest, most loaded question. What do you want? What do you want out of life? What do you want out of your partner? What do you want out of your children? What do you want? What kind of life do you want to live? What kind of mark do you want to make? What kind of legacy? I mean, they're all related questions. Look, we know that we have a beginning date and we know, I guess, if you believe, right, you're a believer of a higher power, God or whatever. And, and even if you didn't believe there's an end date, we're sure of that beginning date, end date. Shit doesn't matter. What matters is the dash. What did you do with the dash? What did you do in between those two dates? That's what matters. And that's what we have to shape. That's what we have to dig at and create. Wow. <laughs> Will, Will, I'm, he's I, over I, there flabbergasted, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just like, yes, I am. You know, I do. I do have to say this about my approach. And I have a clinic coach approach. And what that means is I coach a lot but it's always evidence-based. I come from that clinical background. This is what works for me because of my personality, but it's also what works for my clients. When people come see me, I, I've not taken a new client in a while. At this point, anyone that comes to see me, it's because I've treated their fill in the blank, right? Someone that they know. So I always laugh because they come in and they're like, yeah, they're all sweet. My sister said you were a little, you know, kind of in your face and, and difficult. And I, and I laugh because I know what they mean to say. And it doesn't, it doesn't ever offend me. And I'm like, no, baby girl, I ain't difficult. It's your life. That's been difficult, but let's get started. <laughs> it's just, I love it. I, I love have a it. different approach. That's all there is to it. And I'm not, I'm not for everybody. I don't claim to be for everybody. The same way that you guys in your podcast, not for everybody. Some yeah, people don't no. want to hear us. Some people don't want to hear us curse. Oh my God. She said the, you know, the F word. I'm like, yeah, I throw those around like adjectives. Sure. Don't we all? Right. Don't we all? It's just it's it's more oomph to the conversation. I That's think. right. It does. It's a lot more <laughs> colorful. It's a lot more colorful. And sometimes I think you could, it's more relatable. You can put some people more at ease. Like, you know, again, like you're not up on that pedestal with a white, with a white coat, you know? But that's the thing. I've never claimed to be the expert. You are the expert. I know psychology. I know behavior. I know what triggers what. I can see some things coming from a mile away, right? I've been trained and there's experience, but I don't know your life. And I can't pretend to sit here and know your life better than you. My hope is that through some really provocative questions and some really through some really uncomfortable moments that mm -hmm. you will be able to answer your own damn question. I'm not going to answer them for you, but yeah. will I give you the word for it? I might. So for example, you come to me and you say, I don't know, Will or Tim, one of you says to me, oh, you know, this is happening. And I may say to you, how does it feel when someone emotionally abuses you in that way? And you're like, what? What do you mean emotionally abuses me? Well, you're saying that they withhold love. They keep silent for two, three days. They don't talk to you. They gaslight you. They answer you in short sentences, whatever the case may be. That's called what it is. 
it's emotional abuse. So I think in learning some of the, the terminology and therapy, people are able to have these like, oh shit moments. Like that's that, that's what that's called. Yeah. That's what that's called. I think we, I think we found that with the word trauma too, because we don't really look at a lot of our lives as traumatic, but we all, except we all, we all received a lot of trauma growing up, which is, which is one of those words where you're like, I, you know, I didn't get beat or anything, but, but you realize that it's all some sort of trauma. I like to categorize things and I'm not saying all psychotherapists will, but what I call big T and little T like big traumas and little traumas, you know, some of the big traumas are some of the, the more obvious ones that we hear about attempts at suicide, sexual assault, etc. And then the little traumas could have been, you know, the military brat, you know, I use air quotes because that's, that's what they call themselves. The military brat that moved around from state to state, never really had friends, was afraid to make friends because what the hell for, I'm going to be moving in two years anyway. Who is to say that that is not trauma? You know, trauma is an interesting word too, because we don't want to minimize and call everything traumatic, you know, but we do have to be mindful of the fact that people experience different things and it could be traumatic for them. I think I've mentioned this before on my own podcast. A lot of people will come in and they'll say to me, I'm depressed, Dr. A. I'm like, you're not depressed. You're just sad. It's just that no one ever taught you how to deal with your sadness. And now you're giving it the word depression. Dr. A, I, I have anxiety. No, sweetheart, you're distressed. <laughs> and, right. You're laughing, but there are differences. No, yeah, for sure. There are absolutely differences. And and some people you they, you know, some people you try and explain, try to explain that to them and they don't I don't know if they 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 want to carry that cross and I I'm not sure, but they they seem to I I I noticed that a lot of people get stuck on that, get you know, the diagnosis. Well, oh, I, I was just diagnosed with this. Now what do I do? It's like you said earlier, like you don't need a diagnosis to to be validated for what you're feeling. Right. And that's how I feel. And I just, it's like you said, it's, we're not our diagnosis. Well, not you know, only that, but you all come in or you don't go to the doctor and they, they have to, okay, look, you go to the doctor and they have to diagnose you with something because the reality of the reality of it is they have to bill, right? They have to bill for seeing you. Like, why did you see me? Well, we're no different. I have to give you a diagnosis the first time that I meet you because I got to bill your insurance. That diagnosis may or may not be accurate, right? And so then you change it and, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into that. But that's why I'm looking at the person first. I'm not just looking at, you know, the diagnosis. Makes sense. And I think, again, kudos to you for doing it because um, I don't know if it's done, you know, all across the board that way. What is one of the biggest myths that people you find people have about therapy? Oh man, biggest myth that it stops, that it needs to stop, that there is an ending. It doesn't need to stop. There doesn't need to be an ending. How curious are you? Let me explain. There are some patients that come in and they acutely have something going on. The minute that that problem is gone, they're gone. 
because the problem is acutely over. These are people that don't want to dig any deeper. Then you've got those that come in with the acute problem but are still very curious and they want to dig deeper because they know that this will probably repeat itself somewhere down the line. I think that people believe that one, that healing is a one-time thing, I guess is what I'm getting at. And it's not, it's a continuous process and it looks different for everybody. And just because you healed from something 10 years ago, all of a sudden you're at the grocery store and something triggers you and you were crying in your car. It's an always kind of a thing. So I think the myth is maybe not so much that, that therapy is forever, but sorry, that it shouldn't be forever. I think the myth is related to therapy that healing is a one-time thing. Healing is an everyday thing. Think about this, you guys. You have to put the right things in place each and every single day to be happy. Happiness is hard, right? There's kind of that other myth that happiness and joy is easy. Oh, it should come easy. What the hell? Who told you that? If you put the wrong, right? If you do the wrong things every single day, guess what that's going to lead to? Depression, anxiety, addiction, possibly psychosis. But if you line up the right things, we are more likely to be happy. So happiness is hard and healing is continuous. Healing is continuous for sure. That's a good one. Do you think that, um, like you said, we have to line up what works and what you know, what's best. Do you think by asking ourselves the, that question is a, is a good place to start? Absolutely. And again, it's the deeper question of how do I want to live? Where do I want to be? What do I want to accomplish? Are the things that I'm doing today feeding what I want for myself? And if they're not, it's got to go. And that's easier said than done. We, we have to work through that process because sometimes you have to let go of things that are toxic that are just hard because they, yeah, they're, they're they habits, served, right? Well, they're not just bad habits, but they've, they've also served as coping mechanisms and comfort right. for such a long time. It's, it's difficult. I want to say this about medication too, because it's beyond my scope of practice. I'm not an MD. I'm not a psychiatrist, but the myth around medication is that, you know, only crazy people take it that it's really not necessary. And that just bugs the shit out of me because, mm -hmm. and, and that there's something wrong with you because you take meds. And then I always bring up this example. You could have diabetes and be a compliant diabetic. You're eating right. You're exercising properly. And your pancreas still says, fuck you, which means, <laughs> right. Which means I have to bring in medication now. You right. did everything right, but your pancreas said no. Okay, well, on the mental health side, you're coming to therapy, you're working out, you're reading, you know, the good books, you're listening to great podcasts, and you still have that feeling of dread each and every single day. It's because your body is screaming, I need something else. And that's where medication comes in. So why do we shit on psychiatric medication, yet we don't do that with diabetes medication right or medication for a heart condition or medication for anything else it's annoying it is annoying actually that's a great question to even ask like i i i wouldn't even know i think probably the the stigma and, and the not um being educated on it you know would be a, a factor and you know what you may not need it forever then i'm going to give you the other example 
maybe you weren't doing all of the things that you needed to do in therapy because you couldn't just biologically, it just wasn't, it wasn't happening for you. So you start taking an antidepressant or anti-anxiety med. Now, all of a sudden we see a decrease in your symptoms and you don't need the medication anymore because you've been able to adopt other healthy practices. There's that too, similar to, again, the diabetic that was non-compliant, but all of a sudden started working out, lost 30 pounds and is eating right, they don't need their meds anymore. So long as they stick to those good habits, it's the same. Yet we treat it so different. Yeah, it's all, go ahead. No, go ahead, Will. I was just gonna, I just wanted to be really cognizant of your time. How are you doing time-wise? Yeah, no, we're good. Keep okay. going. Oh, all right, cool. Go ahead, I, it, it it Well, it brings, a, it brings up a question that Will and I were, were going to tackle at some point is you know like you said you you have people that they go out and they 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 buy the workout gear they buy all the 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 self-help books and they listen to podcasts but uh, there's some kind of uh communicate like a disconnect like where they read all this stuff or they have it but then they don't necessarily apply it maybe i'm not really sure where where like maybe you what if it's not a disconnect what if it's how you're hardwired what if you're hardwired because of genetics and some other things that occurred when you were younger to now be depressed and that's where medication comes in to help sure i yeah for sure i always say there's there's uh it's never one thing that that gets us into this spot and it's never one thing that's going to get you out of this spot. So I, you know, for sure, medication, you know, I think lay it all out. You know, you need, you need some kind of therapy or a therapist, um, you know, and I'm not a pill pusher, by the way, you know, I'm not one to do that, but if we've reached a point where you've come to see me for 10 sessions, there's no alleviation of your symptoms. You're still having a difficult time with your activities of daily living, right? The regular shit that we should be able to do, the getting up, the bathing, the grooming, the going to work. No, man, we need meds or, or, or you have the choice to live miserably. People hate to hear that and they hate it when I say that, but it's the truth. You have a right not to go on meds. You have a right not to come to therapy. You have a right to your depression. It makes me very sad but you do. And the hard part is though, then it, then it's a deeper conversation because that usually spirals into, into death. Yeah. Yeah. That is a, that's a tough conversation to have. Yeah. People die by depression all day long. I mean, what are we only three days out right from We know one of the beautiful pageant winners who, took her life and she jumped from what I believe was 60 stories, New York high rise. How, what kind of pain must this woman have been in to say, and, and very much planned her last Instagram post had something to do with, with saying, you know, may, may this day bring you peace. And that yep. gave me chills, right? It's still, I, I still have a difficult time digesting it. And, and that's, you know, that's what she did because she wanted it to just end so badly. The pain part. Yeah. It's yeah, so sad. Absolutely. Like how many more, 
how many more? We pour money into a whole bunch of different initiatives and yet mental health. We're exhausted, by the way. You know, someone asked me today, how you doing? I'm like, I don't fucking know. I think I've seen 40 people already this week. Thank God, you know, I know I curse and stuff, but I am a, a woman, a person of faith. And, and God has given me this great capacity to see as many people as I do on a daily basis. Not all therapists do that, nor do I recommend it. But you guys see me even on podcasts, right? I have a really high energy level. So it works for me. But most therapists aren't seeing nine to 10 a day. Right. You know, I, I, that's kind of my sweet spot, like nine. But even seeing as many as I do, it's still not enough. And we also don't want to burn out. So then there's that conversation for us fellow psychotherapists to make sure that we are also not being hypocritical and doing all of the damn things that we are asking our clients to do. That's that's what I was just going to say, being, you know, being any therapist, but seeing a lot of patients like that. What do you um, engage in as far as for, you know, self-care? I wake up every morning at five and I'm usually reading a book. It's 5 a.m. and I'm reading. I also probably engage in some devotional work because I need to talk to the Lord. We have a very mixed relationship. We get into arguments. It's cool. I'm very public about that. I have no problem questioning. I'm still a believer, but sometimes I'm like, what the hell, man? Um, yeah, everybody knows that about me, but I still spend time with him and try to listen to him. And that is part of what I do. Why do I do it that early? So I'm not interrupted because after that, the world takes over. I got to go pack my son's lunch. I got to go get him ready for school or help him to get ready. And the hustle and bustle of life begins. The other thing is I like to move. You know, I don't do it as much anymore as far as uh, powerlifting, but I used to. And I jokingly used to say that I power lift so I don't kill anybody. Um, kidding, but some kind of physical activity. I've had a lot of injuries. So, yes, I'm part of the Peloton cult, right? And so. <laughs> so <I do> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so got to be good for your mental health then. Right. So I do that about four times a week and all of that helps. The reading, the listening to other podcasts, the praying, the spending time alone. And I've trained my kid to know that too. He needs to understand that mom needs to recharge and I'm not going to feel guilty for it because for me to be a good damn parent, therapist, partner, all of it, friend to you guys, peer to you guys. I can't do that if I'm empty, if I'm emaciated from my soul. I can't do that. Wow. Thank you very much for taking the time to to spend with us. This is Oh, my awesome. God. I love this stuff. This has been awesome. Timmy, I, I wanted to start wrapping it up. So I wanted to ask you, would, uh, do you have anything else that you wanted to ask before we start the lightning round? Um, I mean, it, no, there's probably tons of stuff, but, but, uh, he could go for hours. Why are you asking uh, yeah, him that question? Exactly. I know he, we could too. <laughs> I guess just anything for, for you, Dr. A, if, if you want to put anything out there, um, we also, you can send links to will to the email and we will put them in um the show notes so anything you know for your any instagram pages or any of that stuff yeah i'll definitely send all that to you my my one big thing that i just want to say i think to anyone who's listening to you know this episode is please reach out for help the minute that you start feeling not like yourself do not wait for it to turn, to evolve into something that is going to be much more difficult to treat. We are all going through our own shit and our own thing. To say that 
COVID hasn't taken a toll on us. We are two years, right, this coming March into this. The world's changed how people relate to each other. You know, before people would walk down the street and ignore you because they were looking at their phones. Now they have a mask and they're looking at their phones. The vibe <laughs> of the world has changed and we're being more careless with each other. We're not paying attention to each other. So, you know, in, in the spirit of just being mindful, wake up, open your eyes, put down the phone, find wear your mask, cool. But just make sure that you're paying attention to see if someone may need help. And if you're someone that does need help, do not wait for it to get moderate or severe. Start when it's small. Wow. Words of wisdom from the misfit yeah. therapist. Yeah, right there. <laughs> that, that's dropping the hammer down. Crack. That's true. Right? Wow. Mic drop. Yeah, mic drop right there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you you're so welcome much. You're welcome so much. Timmy, why don't you start firing away, buddy? you have a favorite or a least favorite word? Oh, my God. Can't. Fucking hate can't. <laughs> What's your favorite word? I'd like to hear that one. <laughs> there we go. I was um, going to say that, but... <laughs> I didn't want to say it for you. <laughs> oh, man. You heard it here first, folks. That's, That's right. right. If you could go back and tell your 15-year-old self one thing, do you know what it would be? Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. It all works itself out. Wow. All right. Smack down right there. Right there's there. Another, right there. There's another, another mic drop. Yeah, there's another, another mic drop. drop. Okay, so if... You, if, if there was something that you would, you could do or that you would like to see done for mental health as a whole without any kind of restraint, what would it be? Let people who actually want to go to school and treat other people, we need to do something about student loans and being able to put more of us out there. And there are those of us who want to be out here in this field, but cannot afford to be. So there's something to be said about making education more affordable. Because the big name schools of this world are not allowing, we're in a financial mess as far as student loans are concerned because it's been allowed to be this way. So here we are treating people and also broke. How the hell does that work? So if I could change anything in mental health is the being able to train more bodies and put more bodies on the ground in community. Wow, That's an excellent answer. And I don't, I don't know if we have heard that answer. Actually, no, no, that's that the first, first time. That's the first time. Someone's got to uh, do it. Who's going to do the work? I can't split myself into 10 fucking people. I've right. tried. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> condition. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was just talking to a friend of mine who is a therapist and they were saying um, that they were talking about going to a doctor and, but they were like, I, I don't have insurance, you know, I don't have good insurance. So it's like everything that if I go to a, a medical doctor, it's going to be out of pocket. And it's right. just, it's one of those things that you don't, um, you don't really, I guess, put the two and two together because you see, uh, you know, someone that has a, a degree and that they're maybe their own practice or they're, you know, they're doing seeing clients and you just automatically assume that 
you know, kind of like what you were saying, like they're doing well and, and you know, they, they don't, they're not up to their eyeballs and student loans and they have their own health insurance and stuff. And, no, man, be nice to your therapist. We got a hundred K in student loans. The majority of us, we pay $600 approximately for our own insurance every single month. We rent the room that we use to give you therapy in. So yeah, it, it sounds cool when we charge you 120 bucks and like, oh shit, they're rich. Nope. I'm trying to pay a thousand dollars a month in student loans. And I am not alone because that's the expertise that I felt like I needed to be able to treat complex trauma. How in the hell else was I going to do it? Reading shit on Instagram. <laughs> a YouTube so video. Mean. A YouTube video. Right? Maybe it's TikTok this shit. I was going to say TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> Do you think I got a, like just a quick little question? Do yeah, you think that it. any of those like TikTok uh, videos and and the the Instagram posts? I mean, do you think that they 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 do contribute and help open up the conversations and make you know create more awareness? Yeah, they help and they hurt both at the same time. So I think it's the lens that you're looking at it with. They're helpful because yeah. it brings awareness. It uh, destigmatizes a bit. And then it's like, oh shit, well, my influencer has depression. So I guess I can too. And, but on the flip side of that, it also contributes to misdiagnosis because people start posting shit and they're like, oh my God, I have that, that, and that. So I must be bipolar. Right. And so <laughs> I always tell people don't do that and don't Google your symptoms because you're surely dead if you do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. Will can attest to that. Yeah, I can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes sometimes you get a little trigger happy and start right. you know, you get a little deep. Am I having a an anxiety attack or am I having a heart attack? Which yeah, is it? right. Which is it? Pick your poison. They're both fun. I'm kidding. No, they're not. <laughs> this was this was fun. This was fun. This was very fun. And that and, and you know what? And thank you guys for allowing this platform. That's the thing. It it should be fun. When you finally come out the other side, when you've walked through hell, yeah, that's when it's actually fun. Cool. And that's where I think you and Will and Tim, right? Sorry, you and 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 uh, and Tim and myself. That's the place that I think that we've gotten to. We've already walked through hell. That's why shit's funny. Yeah. That's true. Right, and you got to laugh. Right. That's the best. One of the best medicines ever is laughter. When you can genuinely laugh about something, you know that you've healed. It's a good wow. feeling. Yeah, wow. it is. Wow. For sure. Dr. A, thank you so much for being here. This is awesome. Oh, my God. You're welcome so much. Thank you. Yes. For you, kick you kick ass. You really Aww. do. Oh, oh, by you. the way, uh, Valerie was on. Yeah. It was awesome because she's actually coming back on in the summer. Although we're recording our interview in a couple of weeks, but or in, in March, but um, she'll be our first repeat guest. I, I, she's awesome. She's super cool, and she's super awesome. And you know, it's so funny how this little community, like, you know, we're a little incestuous. Nothing wrong with that. We all no, absolutely that. not. And <laughs> anybody who wants to be on a podcast, send them our way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, she well, was lovely. She opened up about her life. We're grateful, and you know, that's what it's really all about. Yeah, right. That's absolutely. what I was going to say. That's that's what it is all about. We all like to talk about this stuff. And I think the more we talk about it, you know, the, the chance that somebody else might talk about it is is a is a bit greater, you know, and that's what we want to do is, is open that door for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and thank you, do... you guys so much for having me on. I, I definitely 
appreciated. And, you know, I always say this too, for, for taking me as I am and accepting me, I'm not everybody's cup of tea, man. I'm fucking whiskey. I go down hard. Thank you for giving us a listen. New episodes every Wednesday. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can share, rate, review, and even subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Other ways to support the show? Follow us on social media. Share the content. Share our episodes. You can also buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash above ground pod. For further concerns, show ideas, or just to say hi, you can email us at abovegroundpodcast at gmail. Once again, thank you for listening and supporting mental health. Keep the conversation going and stay above.